Welcome to our service. Thank you for joining us. Even though we're unable to be together as a church, and we may never have met some of those who are joining us, we come together as part of God's family. And we pray that God may be gone honoured as we sing his praises together, that the Holy Spirit would fill each one of us, and that all of us would meet with the living God in our worship. Later on, we're going to be thinking about how God knows each one of us intimately and cares passionately for us. And so I wanted to start with some words from Psalm 104 that remind us of God's awesome power in his creation and his kindness to all he has made. So, Psalm 104. Everything I am will praise and bless the Lord. O Lord my God, your greatness takes my breath away, overwhelming me by your majesty, beauty and splendour. You wrap yourself with a shimmering, glistening light. You wear sunshine like a garment of glory. You stretch out the starry skies like a tapestry. You, our creator, formed the earth, and you hold it all together so it will never fall apart. You poured the ocean depths over the planet, submerging mountains beneath. Yet, at the sound of your thunder shout, the waters fled away, filling the deep with seas. The mountains rose, and valleys sank in the levels you create, decreed for them. Then you set a boundary line for the seas and commanded them not to trespass. You sent springs cascading through the valleys, flowing freely between the mountains and hills. You provide drink for every living thing. Men and beasts have their thirst quenched because of you. The birds build nests near the tranquil streams, chirping their joyous songs from the branches above. From your kindness, you send the rain to water the mountains from the upper rooms of your palace. Your goodness brings forth fruit for all to enjoy. Your compassion brings the earth's harvest, feeding the hungry. You cause the grass to grow for livestock, along with the fruit, grains and vegetables to feed mankind. You give us daily bread to sustain life, giving us glowing health for our bodies. O oh Lord, what an amazing variety of all you have created. And so we're going to sing our first hymn, Praise my soul, the King of Heaven. Father-like, he tends and spares us. Well, our feeble frame he knows. In his hands he gently bears us, rescues us from all our foes. Praise him, praise him, widely as his mercy flows.
Let's pray together. All-knowing God, we gather together with praise and thanksgiving for who you are and for all that you've done for us. You know us better than we know ourselves, all our thoughts and actions, and yet you love us. No matter where we go or what we do, your love encircles us, ahead and behind, gently leading and guiding and blessing. We praise you for your love and your faithful presence in our lives. May your spirit move in our hearts and minds as we worship together. Examine our attitudes and actions. Lay bare the things we need to confess. Challenge us with your word and guide us onto paths that lead to life. For we are your people, called by your name. Amen. O Lord our God, the world was made at your command. In you all things now hold together. We will magnify the Lord enthroned in Zion.
David Wickersham will be speaking to us later on these words of Jesus, found in Matthew chapter 10. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. There are a number of examples of people in the Bible who, if they could be with us today, would tell us of how they experienced the truth of these verses, how God showed his care for them in some extremely difficult situations. We're going to take a look at just one of them now in this short video. God's story, Joseph. So part of God's story is about a guy named Joseph, and it begins like this. Once there was a guy named Joseph who had 10 older brothers and one younger one. When Joe was a boy, he was his dad's favorite. In fact, his dad liked him so much better than his brothers that he gave Joe a special gift to prove it. You can imagine this made his brothers jealous. And Joe only made things worse. He told his brothers about dreams he had where he was ruling over them. Well, this made Joe's brothers furious. One day they were working and saw Joe coming. They said, here comes that dreamer. They threw Joe into a dark pit. They might have left him there forever, but they met some men traveling from Egypt and sold Joe to them as a servant instead. They thought that was slightly nicer than leaving him in a pit. Then they went home and told their father Joe had been killed by a wild animal. This broke their dad's heart. Kids, these brothers were really bad news. Selling a sibling is never a good idea, ever. But the Bible says the Lord was with Joe. When Joe was a servant, he worked for a really important rich guy named Potiphar. And Potiphar liked Joe so much, he put him in charge of the whole house. Joe was happy until one day he was blamed for something he didn't do, and Potiphar sent him straight to jail. Well, God was still with Joe, even in prison. The guard decided he liked Joe so much, he put him in charge of all the other prisoners. Then God gave Joe special knowledge about dreams. When two prisoners had dreams, Joe knew what they meant, so he told them. Two years later, Egypt's ruler called Pharaoh had a dream, and nobody knew what it meant. But by now, one of the two prisoners Joe had helped was out of jail and working for Pharaoh. He told Pharaoh about Joe, and God helped Joe figure out what Pharaoh's dream meant. But Pharaoh's dream was really more of a nightmare. It meant that everybody in Egypt would have food for seven years, then be hungry for seven years. Joe told Pharaoh the only way to survive was to store food during the seven good years. Well, Pharaoh thought Joe's idea was brilliant. He put him in charge. During the seven hunger years, nobody could eat without getting food from Joe. He was like a human vending machine. Well, remember how Joe had 11 brothers? Like everybody else, they had to get food from Joe. And when they came, they didn't even recognize their brother. But Joe knew who they were. He secretly tested them to see if they changed. After all, they did throw him in a pit and sell him. Finally, he couldn't hide who he was from his brothers anymore. He told everyone to leave the room because he was about to cry. After sobbing for a few minutes, he told them, I'm your brother Joseph. I'm the one you sold. The brothers couldn't believe it. They had hurt Joe, but God had taken care of him during the good times and the bad. Even with everything they had done to Joe, he forgave them because he was willing to follow God 
even when it was hard. Joe told them, you plan to harm me, but God planned it for good. And God used Joe to save many lives, including the family that was part of God's special rescue plan. And that's the story of Joseph. So in case you missed it, here's the quick version. Joe was his dad's favorite. His brother sold him. Potiphar put Joe in charge. Joe was sent to jail. The guard put Joe in charge. Pharaoh had a bad dream. Joe told him what it meant. Pharaoh put Joe in charge. Joe's brothers had to come to him for food. Joe forgave them. This was part of God's rescue plan. And that's a part of God's story. In all the bad things that happened to him, God took care of Joseph. We may not find ourselves being beaten up by our family, sold into slavery, falsely accused or abandoned in prison, but we can still rely on God's love and care for each one of us. He has promised never to abandon us. And even though many of us may be finding life particularly difficult at the moment, we know that we can rely on him God is always faithful to his promises. He doesn't change. His love will never fail. We can truly sing, Great is thy faithfulness.
Many of you will know that we support a number of people working overseas. And a couple of weeks ago, we heard from Callie in Brazil. This week, we have a message from Claire Bedford in Chad. Hi there, everybody at Brighton Road Baptist Church in Horsham. My name's Claire Bedford, and I am a mission worker with BMS World Mission at Guinea Board 2 Hospital in Chad. I've been asked to give you an update on uh, the coronavirus situation here. Thank you for this opportunity. Some of you may have seen um, a video that I recorded in the middle of April. Uh, and unfortunately, since then, uh, coronavirus has uh, ramped up uh, quite a lot here in Chad. Uh, there are now uh, in excess of 800 confirmed cases, uh, but that is likely to be a vast underestimate of the reality. Um, it's likely that there are far more cases than that. Um, there are a few different reasons for the fact that this is probably an underestimate. Um, the first is that there aren't that many uh, coronavirus tests here or labs that, that can do it. Um, and another reason is that um, the symptoms of coronavirus are very similar to malaria. So a lot of people are used to just treating malaria that isn't too serious themselves. So um, some people uh, are probably just staying at home and thinking it's malaria and treating it as such. Um, and another reason is that unfortunately there is now a lot of stigma attached to uh, coronavirus and so people just don't want to be tested for it because they don't want to have that positive result. Here at Guinea Board 2 Hospital we aren't a, officially a treatment centre. There are two government hospitals in N'Djamena, the capital where we're based, uh, who are the official treatment centres. We are still temperature screening on our gate and uh, asking uh, specific questions when needed. Um, and then if we do have a suspect case, then we do now have uh, an isolation area just inside the door uh, so that we can um, direct patients who are suspect cases there and they don't uh, mingle with the rest of the patients uh, to obviously try and reduce the spread of the virus. Uh, we also now have um, a lot more PPE available to us, so the doctor and nurse are able to go and uh, assess the suspect cases wearing that. We haven't actually had that many suspect cases coming through our doors, um, probably for the reasons that I outlined earlier. It'd be really great if you could um, pray for us here at the hospital. Thank you so much to those of you who already pray for the work here. Um, and thank you too to those of you who give uh, to the work of BMS. My first prayer request is for the management team of the hospital. I am a member of that management team. And so please pray for wisdom uh, for us as we as we uh, run the hospital day to day and make decisions about how, how to best run the hospital. Pray for our Chadian staff. We have 90 members of Chadian staff. Pray for them uh, for protection against the virus um, and for their families too in that regard. Please pray for the Chadian uh, government as they make decisions about um, how best to manage the spread of the virus. Pray that they will be able to communicate that well via various means uh, to the Chadian population. And pray for the Chadian population. Uh, pray that um, they would understand all the government's rules that they uh, put in place to try and stop the spread of the virus. 
um, face masks, for example, are now compulsory. Uh, we have to wear them if we're out and about. Um, and then there are a lot of other measures uh, put in place, um, just like in the UK, to try and stop the spread. So a lot of hand washing um, and social distancing. Pray that the population would understand the importance of these. Social distancing is a bit of an alien concept to um, the Chadians because they live in community. They're used to living in close quarters. Um, so pray that that they would take heed of the government's recommendations so that um, they can help spread the um, so they can help stop sorry the spread of uh, the virus. Thank you so much for your ongoing uh, prayers and support. It really is appreciated. Thank you. Almighty God and loving Heavenly Father, we are lost in awe and cannot fully take it in, that you know us completely and yet we are precious in your sight. We thank you that your love came down to us in Christ and that when we accept your free gift of forgiveness through his sacrifice on the cross, we are made new and your spirit sets us free from living in fear because we belong to you. Yet we live in a broken world and we bring some of our concerns to you now in confidence that you hear our cry. We pray for the ongoing fight against the coronavirus around the world, especially in parts of Latin America, Africa and Asia, where resources for testing and treating the effects of the virus are small. We bring before you especially today the people of Chad. We pray for Claire and the management team at the Guinebore Hospital and ask you to give them extra wisdom in making daily decisions about the running of the hospital at this time. We thank you that they have provision of PPE supplies and we pray for your ongoing protection for the Chadian hospital staff as they continue to care for all their patients. Please enable the government to communicate clearly with people about the need for social distancing and help communities find new ways of keeping contact with one another, especially to support their most vulnerable members. We pray especially for Christian believers in Chad, that you will enable them to reach out in love and compassion, especially when people are fearful of the stigma of this disease. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you are the creator and sustainer of all human lives, and that the good news of salvation is for all people, regardless of race and background. And we pray for all nations at this time of tension and unrest. We thank you for the courage of individuals who have reached out to people from other races in the middle of recent protests to prevent further violence. Please frustrate the purposes of those who seek to exploit the protest to fuel hatred. And please grant compassion and wisdom to governments as they respond to the demonstrations so that they will seek peace and act with humility and justice. And finally, we pray for ourselves, that you would help us to see people around us from whatever background with your eyes and have compassion for each other. Your word teaches us that we love because you first loved us. And we ask for opportunities in this coming week to show your love to others, providing a listening ear and extending a helping hand. In doing so, may we honour you with our lives and proclaim the good news that Jesus is Lord. With the psalmist we pray. 
Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We ask all these things in the name of our precious Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. You have looked deep into my heart, Lord, and you know all about me. You know when I am resting or when I am working, and from heaven you discover my thoughts. You notice everything I do and everywhere I go. Before I even speak a word, you know what I will say. And with your powerful arm, you protect me from every side. I can't understand all this. Such wonderful knowledge is far above me. Where could I go to escape from your spirit or from your sight? If I were to climb to the highest heavens, you would be there. If I were to dig down to the world of the dead, you would also be there. Suppose I had wings like the dawning day and flew across the ocean. Even then, your powerful arm would guide and protect me. Or suppose I said, I'll hide in the dark until night comes to cover me over. But you see in the dark, because daylight and the dark are all the same to you. You are the one who put me together inside my mother's body. And I praise you because of the wonderful way you created me. Everything you do is marvellous. Of this I have no doubt. Nothing about me is hidden from you. I was secretly woven together deep in the earth below. But with your own eyes, you saw my body being formed. Even before I was born, you had written in your book everything I would do. Let's pray. Oh Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You know when I'm full of hope and enthusiasm. You know when I'm struggling to see a way forward. You know when my faith is alive and buoyant. You know when I'm full of doubt and dread. O oh Lord, you've searched me and known me. You discern my thoughts from far away. You know my thoughts often clash with one another, that I'm sometimes full of certainty and sometimes full of disbelief, at times full of trust, at times full of questions, sometimes caring, sometimes selfish. And you know too that my mind wanders, sometimes visiting dark corners. O oh Lord, you've searched me and known me, you know me better than I know myself. You see me in the darkness and the light, and you understand, you care, and you long to lead me towards life. Amen. Our next song reminds us that we find our security in God's love and care for us.
we have embarked on a series in which we are looking at the sayings of Jesus. And today we're considering his words recorded in Matthew 10. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. In my household, the gradual decline in the number of hairs on my head has been a source of amusement over recent years. But the fact that it's the subject of gentle banter reassures me that it's not a matter of grave significance. And that is precisely why Jesus gave us this saying when he wished to emphasise the meticulous care God has for us. It is that such astonishing insight and knowledge is lavished on such a minor detail. In fact, we learn several things from Jesus' example. It means that God knows far more about us than we will ever know of ourselves. The world expert on you and me is not a partner or best friend. The world expert on you and me is not even you and me. It is God. He knows each and every one of us totally. And apart from how much he cares about us, it also tells us so much about him. He doesn't know the number of hairs on our head as a supreme feat of cleverness. It has more to do with the fact that he's to be found everywhere, his omnipresence, and that he's continually aware and sees all things, his omniscience. So the fall of man and our rebellion means that God can't engage with the world as he had intended, but it doesn't mean that he's distanced himself. Paul put his finger on it when he quoted, In him we live and move and have our being. What does it mean to us to discover that we are totally known? I think there are two things we should consider. When I was a child, probably about the age of ten, I started to dip into my parents' daily newspaper. One article I remember well was about a burglar who was up in front of a judge. I guess it would have been a case in the county court. And he had been caught red-handed, so he really had no choice but to plead guilty. What left me incredulous was that this chap was asking for half a dozen other cases to be taken into consideration. They were cases the police had never connected to him. I was astonished. I certainly wasn't going to find a policeman and say, Officer, yesterday evening I was cycling my bike without lights. I got away with it, but I'd like you to take the matter into consideration. Shouldn't that burglar plead with the judge about how good he was, rather than drag up things the judge couldn't have known about? Doubtless my parents would have explained that the burglar feared his other crimes would yet be uncovered, and he wished to emerge from jail with a clean slate. It was a few years later that I was to discover that we have a judge who knows us so well that he can even count the number of hairs on our heads. So how does it feel for us to be under such scrutiny? Tragically, there will be a day when many will hope that their sins will remain concealed. 
For ourselves, we discover that being known so completely is our salvation. As God watched over his Son, atoning for our sins upon a cross, he obtained for us a full and complete redemption. So if we find ourselves labouring under recurring sins and burdened with feelings of guilt, we may rest assured that he already knows. He graciously accepts us as work in progress. When Jesus explained that the very hairs on our head are numbered, his principal message was, of course, that as God's children, we may count on his continuing care and vigilance. If God observes the sparrow which falls, it goes without saying that he will continue to watch over us. But we need to take care not to confuse the fact that God loves us immeasurably with any suggestion that throughout our lives we will be granted an easy passage free from hardship. In Romans chapter 8, Paul names all sorts of trials, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness and the sword. But in this world the promise is not that the love of Christ will separate us from such perils, rather that these perils will never separate us from the love of Christ. Earlier we heard how in Egypt Joseph achieved a position of authority that was second only to Pharaoh's, but we must remember that he did so having, under God's protection, suffered betrayal, slavery, false accusation and years of imprisonment. Joseph was always in God's care, but it was only after severe testing that he was granted a place of honour. So for now we press on, rejoicing that we are known and watched over by our Father in heaven. Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Then we shall know fully, even as we have been fully known. Our final song reminds us that God is in everything we do and asks us to respond as we sing, Be My Everything.
May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, now and evermore. Amen.